Hello and welcome to Weave Spawn. We talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode today. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Skyrim. And as always, spoilers ahead. Skyrim. It has been a great source of memes since its original release date on November 11th of 2012. And it's weird because I feel like Skyrim memes have gotten even more popular in the past year. And it doesn't make sense seeing that Skyrim's not really that relevant anymore. And one thing is, we're actually close. I know this episode's not going to be coming out on its release date, but we've been recording it kind of on near its release date. So mm-hmm. happy birthday, Skyrim. Yeah. Happy birthday, Skyrim. What is it? Nine years old. Uh, it was developed by Bethesda Game Studios, who is most commonly known for their Oblivion and Fallout games. Skyrim reimagines and revolutionizes the open-world fantasy epic, bringing to life a complete virtual world open for you to explore in any way you choose. The game received heavy praise for its open-world its character advancement, as well as the game's setting. Skyrim sold over 7 million copies within its first week of release and over 30 million within its lifetime, putting it in the top 20 of the best-selling games list, sitting at the spot of 19. Skyrim also had three DLCs that were released, which was Dawnguard, Hearthfire, and Dragonborn. In 2016, Five years after the original release date, a remastered version was released for Xbox One and PlayStation 4. In 2017, six years after its original version, or after its original release, versions of the game were released for the Nintendo Switch, PlayStation VR, and standalone VR. This, these re-releases caused a lot of anger and criticism within the gaming community, mainly because they weren't really actively producing new games. They were just re-releasing the same game to different systems. People saw that as a money grab. They didn't really like that too much. So they get a lot of criticism here and there for that. And that's where you get the, oh, Skyrim's going to get released on the fridge or the microwave. Which A lot of memes. Which didn't Xbox just create their own fridge too? Yeah, they definitely created a fridge. It's like they took the Xbox to a whole new meaning and literally just created a tall box. We could probably go into almost a whole discussion about like the meme set in this as well. Yeah, we really could. It has so much meme content. But skipping past that, maybe we'll get to it towards the end. But if you have been living under a rock and haven't played any of the re-releases of this game over the numerous years. The main story of this game revolves around you, the player character, known as the Dragonborn, and your journey to defeat the evil dragon known as Alduin the World Eater, who has been foretold by the great prophecy that you will bring about great destruction and destroy the world. Like any other fantasy yeah, setting. Yeah, I was say, how original. The idea might not be original, but I definitely would go back to the top where it says it revolutionizes, oh, yeah. blah, 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 revolutionizes the open, the fantasy epic of the open world when it first came out. Maybe not so much when it came out third time. <laughs> I'll make fun of it, but I did really enjoy this game when I first played it. And it had a lot of replay value over like the years that I did play it. Oh yeah, I've probably replayed and beat the story of this game at least like five times. I think I only beat it like twice, but every time I would start a new game, I would play a lot of the open world portion of it. Yeah, mostly me too, but there were, I forget... There was something I had to do in order to, like, I had to beat it real quick. I know one time I tried to, like, speed run it just to see, like, how fast I could beat the main storyline. I, I think one of the high or quickest speed runs was, like, just under an hour or something like that. 
which is insane. Yes, it really is. Because, like, how do you even run for that long in the game? Like, I can't go from <laughs> from Helgen to um, White Run that quick. Probably glitches. I have a feeling they use glitches. Probably. But going back to the main story, this game chronologically takes place about 200 years after the events of Oblivion and takes place in Skyrim. Go figure. Which is the northernmost province of Terramel. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry for all you fans. Yeah. I think it's Tamriel, but I Tamriel. don't know. Their, their names are very weird. And as you progress through the game with the main story quests, there are numerous side quests that you can take on your journeys to help improve your skills before the climactic battle. Just like the previous games, the hugely open world you can go and explore and theoretically postpone the main storyline indefinitely. But that's ultimately up to you to decide how you want to progress in the game. Because afterwards, you pretty much are kind of set in stone where it's just like, hey, we need to defeat this evil dragon. And then, like we said, it's kind of a cliche story, but because of that, they left so much open world for you that mm -hmm. you can literally go tackle this problem however you want. Yeah. And you also are your own person, so you can do basically whatever you want. You can join whatever guilds you want. Basically, you can define your character and what type of person he's going to be, which is really cool. Notice he plural said plural guilds because you're not yes. just stuck to one. Like a lot of other like fantasy games, I feel like, especially like WoW. Well, WoW's more of a player because it's an MMORPG, so you can only technically pick one guild, so that's a bad example. But I feel like a lot of fantasy games, you kind of only can pick one person, and then it's like, all right, you kind of like, you're stuck with them, even though you can leave at any time and go to another one, you kind of stuck with them, where Skyrim's like, nah, you want to be, you can be anything you want, you can be everything if you want. Yeah, so it's, it's really cool in the amount of diversity they give you as a character. But let's talk about a little bit of the inspiration of this game. And it's it's really hard to t to pinpoint the an individual piece of inspiration. There is a lot of lore buried within this game. The previous games that came before Skyrim blend a lot of the lore into this because they're the prequels of this game. So you have all that content bleeding into this game along with everything else that's included in Skyrim. So you, there's massive amounts of reading material within the game as well as dialogue that just immerses you into this world. But it's really not possible to pinpoint any single source of inspiration because of this complexity. But that won't stop me from pointing to one of the heaviest influences, which is the physical or of the physical world of Skyrim, which is the landscape and the enemies. And the inspiration for that is drawn from Scandinavia and Norse mythology, from the landscape of Scandinavia, along with the language, because within the game, they have very weird words that aren't very familiar to just regular English, because it came from, I forget what specific country they were pulling some words from but like one of their meads is called like honing or honig and that is a direct translation of the word honey in one of the scandinavian languages and then we have the enemies of the game like draugers and spriggans and even alduin which is a direct reference, or a possible direct reference to Jormagander, which is the world serpent from, that will destroy the world from Norse mythology. So you see throughout playing this game all these direct influences from Norse. But I'm sure that's not the only inspiration, but that was one of the heaviest. And that's one thing I kind of like, that it took inspiration from them, but it didn't, it's not a mythological game it's exactly what it set out to be a fantasy epic and of course norse mythology greek and roman mythology are easily the top three when it comes to any kind of 
mythology or like mystical religion, whatever you want to call it, that people know. And I'm I'm glad they chose references from it instead of taking things like directly because then you always get the oh well actually in North mythology so and so yes and actually this happened it's like it's not a game based on North mythology it's yes it referenced it and it took some ideas from it but I mean you could say the same thing between Greek and Roman you know how similar those freaking mythologies are like come on. <laughs> And so, as we mentioned, it is very open world, and you don't have to, like, it's not, your course is not set in stone. But we're going to kind of delve a little bit deeper into more the main storyline, just because this is always set in stone, no matter, like, how you play it. It obviously deters how you beat it, but basically this is the backbone of what Skyrim is. And... As most of you already know of the famous opening scene of you being led in the back of whatever the carriage is. Great. Oh, you're awake. You were trying to cross the whatever it was, the boundary with that horse thief over there. If you haven't heard that, then you've been living under a rock. But this is where you finally get to create your character and you get to choose between the... Was it like 13 different races? Uh, Not... something like that. It might have been like 10. Hold on, let me Google that. Right I'm pretty sure it's uh, in the double digits, which one thing I liked about this was that... 10. 10 different 10. races. That each one had their own unique strengths and weaknesses and like unique ability or race ability. So I thought that was pretty cool. So once you pick your person, you get to a little cutscene... And it's another famous one. He goes, come on, I don't have all day. You're on an execute. You're getting set up for execution. He goes, my ancestors are smiling down on you. Can you, Imperial, stay the same? And then one of the Stormcloak is chopped his head off. We later find out that there's a big civil war kind of going on between the Stormcloaks and the Imperial Army. So then after he's executed, you're sent up to the chopping block and... Just as this giant axe is about to get your slender neck a juicy kiss of its executioner's blade, a dragon appears. And not just any dragon, but Alduin, who begins to lay waste to the poor town of Hellion. Now, during all this rampage, you get your first choice in the game. Do you run away with the Stormcloak that you sort of befriended on your little incarcerated journey to Helgen in the back of the carriage? Or do you go with the Imperial soldier who was making the list of all the like prisoners here that you see? Either way, you lead to the same city of Riverwood where they each had different relatives, but this kind of sets up a little more your choice between Stormcloaks and Imperial Army later on in the road. I'm pretty sure, though, you can change, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you can. Yeah, so it's not a huge impact, but it kind of, like, kind of helps gauge which way you're kind of going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to say when I first played this game, I didn't realize it gave me a choice to pick whether I was going with the Stormcloak or an Imperial. I don't remember which guy I went with. I was just going with the guy closest to me, which was probably the guy who was going to slit my throat or chop my head off, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But I didn't realize I had the option to choose somebody else. And now I'm just stuck in the ways of always choosing the same thing every time I play replay it. I always just go to that same guy. I swap. I think I rotate, honestly, each one. I know the first time I chose, it's funny, I chose Stormcloak at the first mission because I was like, oh, I like the dude. He seems like a cool dude. I was like, I like him and I like blue over red. So I went with the Stormcloak, but once we get a little later, uh, I did swap. I went to the Imperial Army just because I ended up falling in love with the first city that 
we're about to run into. But because you get a home there, it, I kind of felt like gratitude towards this place and I didn't want to leave it. And if I wanted to be a Stormcloak, I had to like raid it instead of defend it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. This is my home. I got to defend my home. <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed White Run. I it's just a really good city because it's central to the entire map. Solitude is Solitude is a really nice city, but it's just too far to the left of the map and I didn't really like how distance it was. Solitude was great for me because I was an archer and there was a little bug. Well, oh, not really a bug, but there was a thing you could exploit to get a lot of arrows for free. So Yeah, I know it exactly the little bug exploit that you're talking about but anyway so as you said we have the choice to make we chose either stormcloak or imperial and we go to uh riverwood and then from there we're set up to start our journey and the first city we go to is white run where you are requested to help and aid the defense of the city against a dragon because, you know, when, when you're first caught by Imperial soldiers sent to be executed and saw a dragon burn down a town, they're like, you know what? You're qualified. You survived that dragon attack. You better help us out now because the dragon's attacking our city and you're the only person I know to survive one. So go to it. So you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. You're like, yeah, sure. Fine. Fuck it. I'll go fight this dragon. So throughout this little battle, you're really seeing what a dragon can do you're seeing these soldiers being burned alive by this dragon and just raising hell on this group but after you guys just uh, ambush this dragon and kill it as you walk up to it you see it start to glow and its soul gets absorbed into you and after this happens everyone just looks at you and they're like holy shit like you're the fucking dragonborn and you're just like, I don't really know what that is, but sweet. <laughs> and uh, you learn, or you can unlock the first shout at this point because you have this soul that you can use to unlock it. But you go back to Whiterun, and the Lord, or the Jarl, I think he's called, learns of your powers. And he's like, holy shit, like, it's been years since a Dragonborn, or like millennia since a Dragonborn has been alive. You have to go see the Greybeards, and you, this will teach you the meaning behind your abilities, and you will get training from these like monks that live on top of the mountain. And that's kind of the, the start of the real journey of Skyrim. Fushwoda! Fushwoda! I believe that's the first one. Yeah. Unrelenting Force. I do remember that. And you're right, they are called Jarl, and I believe at this point you are also granted the title of Thane of Right yes. Run, right? Yep. Yep, this is where you first became a Thane, and you can become a Thane in all nine holds. But going back to the Greybeards, of course, because they're some monastic people that follow the dragons and the wisdom of that, they decide what better place to make a monastery than on the tallest freaking mountain in the entire place. Also known as the throne of the world. And I have to say, it is always a bitch to get here. It really I is. hated doing this mission every single time I replay it. Because not only when you start out at right run that the throw of the world you originally look and you're like oh it's like right next to me no you have to go around the fucking mountain in order that to get to the me. summit like you have to go around the entire thing go through the stupid over a stupid river and through another town it's like i couldn't there, there couldn't have been a back entrance like it would have been fine if you just had to go like outside the city and then like go a little bit and like there's the mountain go climb up the mountain it's like yeah no you have to go around the mountain then go up the mountain like holy fuck does this place always annoy the living shit out of me doing every single time but luckily once you get to the top you can fast travel 
Yes. <laughs> God, I would kill myself if I had to do that journey every single time. But anyways, as you make up all the way to the mountain, you start to learn more about the wor words of power. You actually learn a new one called Whirlwind Sprint. And well, you learn the first word or whatever because you need three words to unlock its full potential. And so you're talking with the gray beards and you're learning all this and then you start to learn about the prophecy about who you are and how has it been foretold in the scrolls that Alduin will come and destroy the world but then a dragonborn will come and slay the beast. Something along those lines. That's where you learn about out scrolls, Alduin, the world eater, dragonborn. Basically get all the little epilogue and all the juicy information about what the whole setting of Skyrim is. And now, kind of like you said, after defeating that dragon, going through the Greybeards, your journey has officially begun into the world of being dragonborn. Yeah, so after you meet the Greybeards, this basically begins your journey across Skyrim. They tell you about places of power where you can learn more shouts of the dragon language and basically keep improving what you what your ability as a dragonborn is so you travel across skyrim learning more about this world and the many treasures and horrors that lie on and beneath the surface of skyrim eventually however you meet up with a band of dragon hunters who call themselves the blades you travel to a place known as the Sky Haven Temple, where you find more clues about Alduin. You see a wall carved with pictures telling a story about the ancient Nords and how they used to they used a special shout against Alduin. You still need to learn more before your fateful battle, so you go and meet with the dragon Parthenax, the leader of the Greybeards, who happens to actually be a dragon himself this ends up giving you a choice that is pretty well known do you kill the once evil Parthenax or do you choose that he has atoned for his sins and you shouldn't just kill him because he's a dragon because the blades are kind of getting you to believe that all dragons are bad and they should be exterminated. So you have the choice yourself as to whether or not you want to exterminate this dragon, even though he is helping the Greybeards and he is teaching them. And basically, he is the reason you even be got on this path to defeat Alduin and save the world. So after you choose spare him or kill him, you learn that Alduin was once cast into the currents of time by something called the Elder Scroll and in hopes to trap him for all eternity. So you learn that this Elder Scroll may be your only hope to defeating Alduin. This also gives us one of the kind of famous lines. Uh, now, I don't remember it word for word, but Parthenax also tells you what, like, who is more righteous or what is more righteous someone being born good and doing good or someone born evil and turning good which basically means it's like who do you think like someone who's already was already born good and stayed on that path or someone who was on the dark path but swapped over and is now staying on that path what do you think takes like more courage to do so after you learn about the Elder Scroll, now it's time to actually go and find it. And now your duty, like the ancient Nords, is to find this like sacred scroll and to seal Alderwyn away just like it was done all those years ago. So once you find it, you learn of a new shout that can actually be used against Alderwyn. And now you're pretty much all set to go and fight him, you learn this new shout. But when you do descend, wait, hold on. Okay, yeah, no, I'm gonna start that over. Okay. 
So now once you learn of the Elder Scrolls, now it's your time to go and find it so you can use it against Alderwin and seal him just like the ancient Nords did all those years ago. And once you do find it, you learn it actually contains a shout that can be used to fight against Alderwin. However, once you do finally just fight him, as you're actually winning the fight, Alderwin decides to run away. And not only does he decide to like run away from the fight, he like runs away from this world and goes to Savingrad, which is the Nordic afterlife, which is kind of like the equivalent to the Vikings Valhalla. If you don't know what that is, it's a place where people who died in battle or courageously go up and it's a heaven, so to speak, but it's meant for like warriors and stuff like this. And the reason why he, Alderwin decided to escape there, not only to run away from you, but he is attempting to gain this tremendous power by devouring every last soul of the fallen Nords. So not only did he kill the Nords, now he's even going to basically kill him again by absorbing all their souls and getting more power. Kind of uh, the poor soul on your wound type deal. So we as the player don't know that Alduin has fled here until we decide to trap a dragon. Oh man, this is going to be a tough one. Named Odaving, I believe. That In sounds Nordrum. very close. <laughs> it um, sounds right to me. <laughs> So we decide to trap him in Whiterun because apparently Whiterun, the castle was created so it would be able to trap a dragon. I believe something along those lines. Oh, yeah. It was it was a castle that was intentionally made to house a dragon. So go figure. Like, how, how coincidental. But once we have eventually captured this dragon, he gives us the information we need and we f figure out that he managed to flee, and he's going through the portal located at an ancient fort called Skaldafn. Uh, and surprisingly, this dragon actually is willing to just take us there because he's pretty disappointed in the leader Alduin for showing weakness and running away from the dragonborn. After all, dragons are viewed dragons view strength as a sign of respect. So the fact that Alduin left shows that he doesn't deserve this respect anymore. And I think that's kind of cool that even like they had their own kind of morals as dragons and whatnot. So it's like, oh, Alduin claims to be this ultimate strongest dragon, yet he ran away from a battle. So some dragons are kind of like, eh, are you really that strong? Right. So after we get to... How did you pronounce it? Skuldrathen? Skuldothen, maybe? Skuldothen? Yeah, which... That could be completely wrong. I actually <laughs> no, I have no recollection of this name. When we first get here, I must say, though, it was hard as shit. Because before going to the portal, you had to fight a dragon priest. Which I think next to dragons is like the hardest enemy there is. Completely and... agreed. I died the first time, and then the second time I just ran past him and jumped in and managed to make it before the, like he pulled the staff away or closed the portal. Yeah, I died the first time. The second time, because I was doing archery, I tried to like stand back and shoot him, and I think I could have killed him, but it was taking way too long, so I did the same thing you did. I just killed myself because I think they closed the portal or something, and I was like, All right, I'm just going to run for it, and I just ran for it. I'm like... I just want to get to the final battle. <laughs> it's like, well, that was easy. And so once we get through that portal, we are in Savingard. Where first, I think the bridge to the Hall of Valor is like a dragon's like body or something like that. And then, of course, before that, there's... I forget who it is, but there's a guardian. And it's like, in order to get to the Hall of Valor, you must defeat me in combat. And 
Again, this is one of the times where it sucked being an archer because you were automatically in close combat. So, yeah, that, that fight was a pain in the ass for me. <laughs> but after you are acquitted to go to the Hall of Valor, you see many acclaimed norms, norts as you make your way through, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think this kind of goes back to earlier on. We, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later about the companions. I think... Doesn't one of the one or two members actually die and then you meet them in Southengard? So I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think it's like the main guy because he's the first one that you like lift the spirit. But I want to say it's like the original dude that you see. But you kind of see like some other famous people that you met along the way, and then you even meet up with the three heroes who were the original ones to defeat Alderwin and seal him away. So now, armed with the three heroes, you go and fight Alderwin a second time. And this time, you manage, obviously the whole fight ensues, and you manage to seal him, at least for now. Because, who knows, he broke out once before, and maybe I'll do it again. But if they keep just re-releasing re Skyrim, we will never know! I think, if I don't, if I recall correctly, I think we actually absorbed his soul in that one. I believe we mm, did we we might have if we did i don't i think the cycle's broken i can't remember though i can't remember either now that i'm thinking about it. all i do remember is that there was a couple things while i was like researching this there was a couple things that said it hinted that other one may not have been like skilled or whatever <laughs> because if he keeps being the main antagonist i guess Go figure, but to be honest with you, I kind of hope all the ones done with Skyrim. Like, he was fine as a, like, the antagonist for Skyrim, but I feel like he wasn't fleshed out enough that I would kind of want him to return, because he wasn't, to me, a, like, standout antagonist. Yeah, I would agree. Like, he was good, like, when I played it first, I was like, oh, this dude is sweet, like, he's powerful, everything, but, like, when you replay it and you kind of, like learn more about the world and stuff, you kind of just like, eh, he just kind of seems like a spoiled brat that kind of rose to power and then was like, yeah, I'm cocky, arrogant, I'm going to destroy the world for revenge. Didn't get his way, so it's kind of like, yeah, his story arc is done, kind of just, he was good as is. If they bring him back, I feel like it's going to ruin his character. Yeah, I would agree. And, yeah, I just feel like, he wasn't really that fleshed out like you said. He just wasn't very standout-ish. Like, there are so many games where the villain is so likable for how much you dislike them. And he just, just felt like a character. is like, all right, it's just another dragon. I don't know. In his defense, I will say, the, I feel like the whole point of Skyrim was the open world more than the storyline. Because like you said earlier, the speed run for this game is under an hour. Which means if a speedrunner can do it in under an hour, that means the average player would probably, t if you just did straight storyline, would probably take you about five to six hours, which isn't long at all. But there are people that clock in over like a thousand hours in that, and that's because of the world itself. Mm -hmm. So I feel like because of that, that's why I feel like for the story, all the one was good. Like kind of how you mentioned the whole, it was a cliche story. Don't get me wrong. But they did it well that it's like, all right, he did his role. You were good. Keep it at that. Don't bring him back. Otherwise, it really would make him go lower. I think he was good for the story, for what he, he did his purpose. He wasn't outstanding. I don't think he was terrible. He was like right where he needed to be. Like he was, he fit the story. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd also like to say, like you said, the Dragon Priests were really hard. I thought the Dragon Priest before that battle was harder than Alduin's battle himself. Oh yeah, 100%. I don't know, I feel like they almost did that on purpose, like mm -hmm. to give you one last final thing, because I want to say that Dragon Priest, I think the whole, the all the enemies scale with your level, but I think because of Alduin, because they the final boss and having everyone to help you, even if you weren't that good yourself, you had that much backup where this dragon priest, it was straight like, 
one-on-one -on -one unless other mob mobs came in and then you were kind of like screwed so it was this fight with the dragon priest was more personal because it was literally just you where all the when you had like teammates mm -hmm. that's fair and it's a little late but like the first impression i got playing this game i'm a diehard fantasy lover that whether it's anime or video games, I'm I will play at least once or read any kind of fantasy thing just because I am a diehard fan. So I never heard of it. I remember a friend talking about it in school, and I was like, you know what? I was like, hell yeah, fantasy, let's go. And I've never played any of the other Elder Scrolls. Sorry to say, guys. Yeah. Sorry to say, I've never played Oblivion. I've never played. And the other ones, I know Skyrim is called Elder Scrolls, and I know it belongs to the series, but I still just call it Skyrim, just like 99% of other people. But when I first played it, I could not put it down. It was like, it was what I wanted a fantasy epic video game to be, and more. It was so much fun. I remember, I didn't go straight for the story. I kind of did the story at first, like I went to the Throne of the Mountain, and I think I did the next like one or two story missions but between that big gap between like go learning dragonborn and then meeting the blades they kind of just tell you to go to places so you can explore the town and that's where i fell in love with the game too it's just the massive open world and so much to explore and like each place felt different it wasn't like a copy and paste or like hey here's a town that's focused on this Here's the exact same town, but it looks slightly different so, because it focuses on this. It was like each town had its own personality, and I really loved it. And one of the one of the things I do hold with Skyrim is this was almost my first Platinum game. And for those of you who don't play on PlayStation, there is like trophies you earn. I think that it's called Achievements on Xbox. And on Steam, right? They call it achievements so. or they call it trophies? I think they're achievements. Yeah, I think everywhere but uh, PlayStation is called trophies or achievements. PlayStation has trophies and a platinum means you got all the trophies on the game. And I was at 89% before the whole like DLCs came in. And I only needed three more, which was find all the Daedric artifacts which I only found, I think, like four or five. Carry 100,000 gold at once on you, like in person. And I believe the other one was something to do with the Daedra. I think it was like find all the Daedra temples. There was one for Daedra artifacts and Daedra temples. And then the 100k gold. I just needed those three trophies. And Skyrim would have been my first ever platinum game. But still to this day... I have not gotten those three trophies. <laughs> I only had like four or five that I needed to unlock, I think. Really? I thought you had one less than me. I thought you had two. Because I, I know you got the 100k gold. Yeah, I'm not I sure. thought you I just needed the Daedra artifacts. I know one of them was holding a $1,000 bounty within all nine holds or something like that. And I just didn't oh. want to do it. Oh, yeah. I did, that real, I did that real fast. I was like, I went killed some people, ran out, fast traveled, killed some people, ran out, fast traveled, and I just did that real quick. Yeah, I didn't want to because I didn't want to uh, get the bounties and stuff. But then my other one was the Daedric Artifact ones. I didn't collect all of them. Yeah, I didn't either because I didn't really go looking for them. I mostly found all of them just coincidental. Mm -hmm. And one thing about the bounty one is... I tried going back, or I remember going back to some places to pay it off, because I was like, oh, whatever. And I remember there was a couple holds that I, like, hardly ever visit, and I forgot. And I would, like, come back to this place, like, days later. And I went there, and I see a guard coming up to me. I'm like, what the hell? And he goes, wait, I know you. And I was like, fuck, I forgot about the bounty. And I'm like, I'm trying to do this quest, and now I have to go to jail. And I'm like, fuck. That's when you just kill him. Fuck it. <laughs> Quick save in progress. Why is he pulling out a bow? <laughs> yeah. yeah. My first impression of the game was 
basically I was just awestruck by the by the beauty of it and the open worldness of it because I think this was like one of the first real big open world games that I've played. But um, yeah, it was just something like different to me. It was really cool and. I can't ever get that feeling back. It's like when you have that first experience playing a game and then as you play it in the future, you bring it back and you're like, I don't know why I ever felt like this awestruck, but like it's one of the moments where I can specifically remember how much I liked this game and how impressionable it was on me. And just like being able to do what you wanted to do was pretty cool, except you couldn't kill a chicken in a village because you <laughs> get wrecked. Oh, that I—that's another meme or like something that went around. Mm -hmm. That that was hilarious. I remember. I think the first time I did that, I was actually trying to shoot something because I was using archery and I missed, and it of course hit the fucking chicken, and like everyone was <laughs> angry at me, and I'm just like, oh my god, it was a chicken! You were going to kill it anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing about the game is sometimes the bounty system is not that great, but. Yeah, the, the exploration was a really important part of the game. And to travel across the map was really no small feat. It was an expansive open world game, giving the player the ability to basically travel wherever they wanted as long as the terrain would allow it. The map was littered with like a bunch of cities and towns. And bandit camps were really fun to go explore for a while. And giant camps were always very entertaining because there was that when you're really low level and you get smacked by a giant and you go 70,000 feet in the air. Dude, I remember the first time, like, cause you know, there's how that's that giant camp right outside of, uh, white run, mm -hmm. like right there. I don't know why giant camps were always like one of my favorites. And I was like, Oh, they're like doctile. Cause they don't, they really don't mess with you unless you get like right up to them or you hit one of their mammoths. And I think, I just tried shooting a mammoth or something to see like how much health it was and like how much damage I would do. And I had no idea there was a giant behind me. And it was one of those, I just see him and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> oh shit moment. And then I'm like, all right, I'm part of NASA now. And I yep. went and flew above the sky. Skyrim space program. <laughs> yeah. And then you also could like find a bunch of ruins and caves and a bunch of dragon shrines around the map. It was really cool. And some of the most fun of the game was just exploring, finding new things and finding like a random chance encounter of a dragon flying through the world and attacking you. That was always a really humorous thing because you would be traveling and out of nowhere, a dragon would just like fly out of nowhere and attack you. And most of the time you're like way too low of a level and you can't do anything about it. Or you're in the middle of a freaking quest and then they kill that NPC, so you have to freaking restart. Yeah, that too. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, what are what are some fun exploration stuff that uh you enjoyed? Okay. Can we just for like one second, do you remember the hold called Makarov or Met Markov? No. It was like the farthest left you could go. I don't remember this. Okay, then let me let me give you a little brief history on what the fuck is going on with this town, city, whatever you want to call it. The moment you walk in, you witness a murder. You see some dude just come and stab a girl, like some lady in the middle of the street, and like nobody bats an eye. They're just like, oh, someone got stabbed. Hey, do you want some cabbages? It's like, what the fuck? And then, as you're, like, going into the city, it's, like, you meet up some, like, treasure hunter, too, and he's, like, a really chill dude, and you're, like, cool, like, because there's a whole companion system and everything, so you kind of get to know him a little bit, and you're, like, oh, maybe he's going to become, like, this new companion. He's, like, this hooded person, kind of looks like an Assassin's Creed person, and he's, like, really cool looking, and then you get trapped in a house with him and forced to kill each other. Like Oh, you know what? I do remember. It's like Markov or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that city now. Yeah, yeah like, it was a pretty fucked up town. Yeah. They had, and like, like um, oh labor camps and stuff there, too. Yeah, like, what the actual... 
the fuck is wrong with this place? Like, it was, the, I want to say, like, the last thing I explored because it's literally, like, the farthest left you can go. And that's yeah. where, like, a lot of the Forsworn is and everything, which uh, yeah. I just now remember. That's another person group you can join. But I don't think you can join the Forsworn. I'm almost positive you can. I think they're just, like, a tribal tribal thing that you can't join. But yeah, there's a reason no one goes to Markoth. It's a pretty fucked up place. You just avoid that. Yeah, within like the first 10 minutes of exploring, you're already forced to... Well, you watch one person die and forced to kill another. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty weird place. One of my favorite exploration moments. It was pretty intense. It was my very first dragon encounter while playing the game. And it was right after you faced the dragon outside of White Run. I was traveling to Riverwood from White Run, just exploring. And after arriving, I started conversing with the locals. And I met a man named Sven. I decided to do a mission for Sven because he was a nice guy. And after that mission, he offered to travel with me and fight alongside me as a companion. I was so happy I had my very first companion. And I decided to leave Riverwood with him, ready to go find some wolves or some bandits and test out how powerful this new duo is, just to show the world that we are an unstoppable force. Then disaster strikes. Almost immediately after leaving Riverwood, a dragon appears. It has me in its sights. The brave Sven immediately jumps into my aid to protect me and help me slay this beast the dragon was too powerful and he started to or it was too powerful for me at the start of my journey i was just a feeble adventurer not too high on level i couldn't fight this alone and Sven wasn't enough to help me either the dragon pushed us back to a grove the trees offered enough protection to prevent the dragon from coming closer but they were and they were also just wide enough to shield me from the fire I was using my flame spell to retaliate against the dragon, but I was a coward, and I wouldn't leave the grove. Retreat was not an option. Sven knew we stood no match against the foe at hand, but he would never concede. Sven charged the dragon with the intent to inflict a fatal wound, but alas, Sven was only a mere mortal, and he was no match for the behemoth we faced. He was brought to his knees, injured, but not dead. The dragon was aware of this and inflicted the final blow. Sven was dead. I spent the next 25 minutes fighting this dragon, avenging Sven, cowering behind the tree, waiting for my mana to rejuvenate, and then inflicting as much damage as possible before retreating back behind the trees. After what felt like a fortnight, the dragon had fallen. I consumed the soul of my enemy. Sven was avenged. And that's a true story. It was the most, it it felt incredibly long. I was (laughs) sitting there for probably 25 minutes and Sven was, I think he like was dual wielding or he had daggers. So he was just attacking this dragon with both weapons. Just straight up running at him. And he died so quickly. So I'm sitting there alone behind a tree hiding from the fire of the dragon as I'm flaming him to death. It was <laughs> awful. And I couldn't run because the dragon would chase me and catch up with me. So it was awful. That was a, that was a great story, though, I must say. Now we just need a bard to sing it. <laughs> sing it for all of Riverwood to know of his heroic deeds. Maybe gone, but he is not forgotten. <laughs> remember another i'm pretty sure it's it's gone to be a meme now as well is every time you go and explore a cave or ruin you're like oh i wonder where this goes oh look at that i'm back at black reach oh (laughs) oh my god seriously if you're like on any portion of the top or right side of the map and you find like dwarven ruins you're always going to end up in black reach don't know how how big is Black Reach? Dude, I went into, like, a spider cave. Like, I, it was one of these caves, and there was someone there that's like, oh, you better watch out. There's, like, these 
monsters or whatever and it was just a cave filled with spiders and then like one of the bosses was like the giant spider or whatever and like mm -hmm. i killed him and then i was like oh there's like a secret tunnel or some other place you can go i keep going what do you know i'm in black reach again i'm like what the fuck i wasn't even in a dwarven place why does everything lead yeah. here getting out of black reach is just insane freaking hated it especially the like the former or one thing but holy crap the other like it just being a dark and shit was annoying as hell mm -hmm. yeah it was ridiculous one some other things that were pretty cool about just the open worldness of skyrim was the random events that you could experience just walking on trails like you could get random sellers like khajiit coming by and you could buy stuff from them just random monsters like the t saber tooth tigers or whatever those were could attack bandits and just things like that it added a little bit of dynamic gameplay to the game without like adding just too much i guess and without these encounters traveling would have kind of been a little more empty and boring but it just adds enough flair to keep you entertained through the beginning portion of the game at least because eventually i thought they kind of got boring or annoying when you get so overpowered and you kill everyone in like three hits which brings up to another meme where it's like this guy covered in like cloth armor and a dagger it's like hey i saw you looking at me funny like that and then you're decked out in daedric armor and he like pulls out a dagger like really <laughs> You just saw me kill a motherfucking dragon just down the road. You think a little dagger is going to do anything to me? <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, but I, I will say, the random encounters have nothing on Red Dead Redemption 2. Their random encounters throughout the map were far superior in every way. But this was uh, eight years earlier, so <laughs> I'll cut them some slack. And not only to go along with the exploration, kind of how we mentioned the fourth one, which I did look up. You can't actually be, like, join them. You just become an ally with them, like, temporarily while you're in that godforsaken place. But gotcha. there are a few places you can join. And one of, for me, based on my little attack cell, the Thills Guild was one of my favorites, where at first it's a little annoying kind of doing the whatever boring task, like entry level that you need to do. And But then once you get up, you like uncover a whole nother like storyline and you're just like, what the frick did I just get into? These guys aren't like just mere thieves. Like there's a whole like story behind this. But one thing a lot of people kind of did was if you went progress enough through the thieves guild you got what's called a skeleton key and it would it's a pick that never breaks so even if your pickpocketing or whatever or picking skill was low you could literally do a very hard unlock something very hard or expert it with this skeleton key because it would never break if you had the patience for it and not to mention, once you actually, like, go on and went through the Thieves Guild, you got, you became not only a Thieves Guild member, you became what's known as a Nightingale, which is, like, kind of like the the elites of the elites of the Thieves Guild. They're separate, but kind of together. It's kind of weird. But I love their armor. It looked freaking sweet. Yeah. Their armor is really It is light armor, if you guys are paying attention you guys never did that it is light armor so if you want to end up wearing it and getting the effects because it increased like stealth by like 20 percent, all this stuff increase your light armor not your heavy armor hmm. yeah i basically only joined the thieves guild for the skeleton key and then i never completed the mission to where you get the key give the key back so i just kept it um so that was always that was pretty cool just uh because I never had to increase my lockpicking to level That's 100. what it was, lockpicking. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Yeah. I did, and when I got to level 100, I was like, all right, cool, I can return the skeleton key and go on and get the yeah. nightingale armor. I just decided not to. I'm just like, fuck it. Uh, I was more of a College of Winterhold type person, though, because I was a mage, mostly. 
So it, it, they basically you can get a lot of cool spells there and there's some guys who can level you up a little bit here and there but no there was some shit yeah, really cool. going on there i really like the college of winterhold wasn't there like a demon or something in there or a daedric yeah in the basement in the basement there was um a daedric altar where you can actually make daedric armor i just love how that if you had like a couple daedric hearts and some ebony armor you could infuse them and make daedric armor college of winterhold i think you needed a, a soul gem too yeah, I think... I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure you probably did. Calder Winterhold, where all the mages come, we have a Daedric in our basement. Come join us. <laughs> That's how they get all their new recruits. <laughs> and to kind of wrap things up a little bit, one last thing to mention is the whole skill tree. And that's extensive in its own. As I kind of mentioned about the lockpicking, there's lockpicking, pickpocketing are two different ones. But there's a lot of different perks and skills you can get throughout the game from like leveling up that really allows you to customize to your own playstyle. Now, for me, I went I went mostly with the stealthy approach, and it's was almost all the green constellations. There's like Blue is like mage, red is like aggressive, more like hands-on. And then I wanna say there was like a fourth color, but I can't remember. I might maybe not. But I was more set on the whole green aspect, which what paired with archery, which I believe that was actually in the green as well. It was archery. I leveled up archery, lock picking to 100, pickpocketing to 100. And I was working on alchemy, but stealth as well, I got that quickly up. So a lot of places I could go kind of with ease with the, cause the stealth added three times damage to my arrows and I would have a really good bow, like maxed out and everything. So I could one shot a lot of people. The only problem was when I didn't one shot them or there was like a horde of enemies, then it, Kind of took me longer in some places because, like I said, I'm bow and archer. I like you. You don't level up any other skill like attacking because you always use both hands. So there was that. But the key point to I think my build or play style was you get pickpocketing all the way up to level 100. You unlock a skill that increases your weight capacity. It's called like big pockets by 100. Combine that with a steed stone, and by leveling up, I had a carrying capacity over like 800 pounds with me by the time like I finished the game, which for me was perfect because I like to hoard everything because I'm one of those people that's like, oh, I found a rare thing. I should save in case there's an emergency. An emergency happens. What if there's a bigger emergency and I still won't use it until I beat the game and I have like 25 of these things? That's exactly how I was when I played. Um, but my my play style was a little bit different. I was mainly a one-handed melee person with destruction spells in my other hand. And the race I used was Dark Elf because they, they hit a higher stat when you started off for like destruction spells. Which I know if I chose a High Elf, it would have been better because they have a natural man mana boost where you have over 200 mana to begin, I believe. So that would have been a super nice thing to have right from the start, but I liked the look of Dark Elf better, so I was one of those type of people who went off the look of my character. But it was really cool because Dark Elves had 50% um, resistance to fire, so it was much easier to fight fire dragons in the beginning. But basically, I would use my melee weapon as my main damage dealer and then my destruction spells would be the secondary but as i kept playing i started just leveling up my destruction more and more and i think eventually through my play style i went two-handed for destruction so it's kind of how my experience went started off one-handed with destruction ended up as a full mage but i would also i wouldn't wear mage outfits i would wear full like daedric armor so it was kind of a weird 
scenario? I think I started out with light armor, and then I think I literally stayed light armor, and then once I started leveling out all, like all my other skills until I could get Daedric, and then I went to Daedric. Mm-hmm. I liked light armor literally all the way up until Daedric, and then I was like, "Yeah, Daedric looks badass." Like I love the look of glass, but Daedric it looks badass. Yeah, Daedric was really And cool. also to know I was a Khajiit when I first started because I knew I wanted to go stealth. And I also thought Khajiit is my still my all-time favorite class because I think they look amazing as a cat-based race. And it's not like your anime cat-faced people. They're actually like <laughs> living cat people that look better than the Cats movie. That was, And this game was made. I was going to say. <laughs> where? I was literally going to say it's not like the Cats movie. I think, though, I was Khajiit. I know for a fact I was Khajiit first, and then I tried Word of Elf because, of course, when I replayed for my second time, I still went with archery just because I was so familiar with that. But I wanted to actually pick a race that was with, like, archer, and I know I think Wood Elf gives you, like, a bonus in archery, and then you also get that special class of you get to, like, command a, like, animal but that's also when I started learning conjuring as well. But I just had archery as like a backup. Were you an Argonian at one point? I think I made a game of an Argonian. That one I'm... I think you might have had Skyrim first and I made a second account to just try it out. And I went Argonian. But there wasn't really any real benefits to Argonians. Besides, wh- besides like hit skin was good. You couldn't. Oh yeah, that was cool. But towards late game, there was no real bonus. You... I guess for most of them, bonus doesn't really happen late. Yeah, because the command. Know. He just didn't do. He didn't have the right perks for me, so I switched. I think he would have been good if you went like straight melee, either like double melee or melee in a mm-hmm. block, like shield user. That's one thing I never did was. I never used the shield. No, I hated shield. I tried leveling up that perk because there were there are some good perks in shield. Like if you can use a shield, go for it. But it was just not my playstyle. And it took me for I tried leveling up and I was just like, oh my god, this is god awful. I'm it's not me, mm-hmm. it's not my playstyle. I like either stealthy approach or like quick agile. Um I also tried, like I said, the conjuring, which if it was a little better, I, it probably would have been my favorite, but archery is still my go-to. Yeah, I'm I'm always, in most games, I'm a, a mage type of person. Before we finish out, one last thing about that. What, if you had to choose, like, one of your non-combat favorite skill trees, what, which one? That Or I guess that is my question of the day, is which is your favorite like if you can start a new character over base it on one skill tree that's non-combatant which would it be hmm. that's a good question i would probably do like illusion or Ooh. enchanting i forgot about illusion magic I don't really know much of the illusion stuff. I think a lot of it's just like distracting your foe and not really inflicting damage. It's just you could go like illusion conjuring. I know I said non-combatant, but conjuring is kind of like it's combatant and it, like a sub-combatant. I think that would that one might that might have been a an interesting build going illusion. I think illusion you can um get people to fight for you. Ooh, an illusion conjuring that. That kind of sounds like a, a fun build. Yeah, that would kind of be cool. I think I would kind of try your like the chanting or alchemy and just see kind of like what I can create or like just find random stuff and then just be like get like a rusted sword and then enchant the shit out of it to so it's like this <laughs> legendary iron sword and like you see in the animes where it's like oh this guy has this powerful sword and then you just have like this iron and you're just like. I think that would be kind of funny. That would be pretty funny. <clears throat> but, all right, I think that's about it for this episode. Uh, I'm going to sign us out with some facts. So, Skyrim features 
244 quests, over 300 points of interest with map markers and numerous unmarked locations. And Partharak, or Part, I always pronounce his name wrong, Parthenax, voice actor, also voices Mario, which is wow. very interesting. I Two different that. voices. The theme music was like in the beginning of the game in the login screen that was performed by 30 different people at once so that's why it's so like deep and dynamic and really cool and then the loading screen was voted one of the most popular out of other video game loading screens i think that was gsn it might have been like game informers i'm not 100 percent sure but i it's something I read that one, they did like a top 10 like loading screens or whatever. Because I think when they started announcing like the PS5 and all this, that they were trying to eliminate loading screens. And Skyrim was voted one of the most popular ones. And I do remember because just like zooming in and out, rotating like shit, it, it kept me preoccupied for more than I... Yeah, it was pretty cool. Insane. And then you're sitting there for 25 minutes and you're like, I think this froze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a pretty cool uh loading screen um so before we fully sign out though i do want to mention that we are planning on taking a four-week break after our next episode is released so this one will be released november 15th we will have an episode our 25th episode is released on the 22nd of november and then we're going to take four weeks off for the holidays and then december 27th we will be uh reposting or we'll be loading episodes again so just a heads up on anyone listening uh after next week episode which we'll mention it again next week but after that episode we will have a small break for the holidays you kind of think of it as like an end of the season i'm not we're not entirely sure whether we want to consider this like season one but it kind of fits because if you think about it, most animes are, like, a lot of animes go, like, 24, 25 episode, unless you have 12 or 13 one, so. Yeah, so it fits. And, uh, yeah, then we'll get started up again, and we'll be back on it. So, in the meantime, though, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Weebspawn. And email us any questions, recommendations, or... If we missed anything, feel free to email us, weebspawn at gmail.com. Just because we're away, we might not be that far away. You might see some updates, especially when we're coming back. We might update you guys, so be sure to follow to keep track on that. And I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weebspawn.